welcome Brian Trenchard Smith uh, to Red River Podcast. We're, we're out of Long Island, New York, and we basically talk music, movies, and pop culture with, with guests. And I, the way we stumbled onto you and your work, we did a review of a movie called Rocktober, Rocktober Blood. Do you know yeah. that movie? I, I, I don't know it well, but I know the sorcery. Before. Yes. <laughs> So we we were like, who the fuck is this band on this soundtrack? And then we started digging and then we realized that they had something called stunt rock. And then from there, when I matched up the name, I was like, this is the guy that made um, Night of the Demons 2 and Leprechaun 3, which we fucking love. And BMX so, bandits. Yeah, and BMX huge bandits, as a kid. Yeah. Dead, dead and dead and driving, like uh just so we had no idea that your career went backwards into like the 70s. So we were like, let's just like reach out to him because like you you have such a amazing career. And then I ended up getting this book, which is uh Adventures in the B movie trade. So yeah. If you put it up in front of the camera, we will be able to see that they, they dare go. <laughs> Presentation is everything. Yes. Okay, adventures in the B-movie trade. I, I was in such a rush, I didn't bring my copy down. Uh, but uh, feel free to flash it again at some other point. <laughs> I will, yeah. Anyway, that, 580 I, pages, 200 of them in color in the hardcover edition. Um, all I can say to your listeners is... Uh, it's informative, and you can certainly, oh, my wonderful wife. Yes, there you go. I can do sort of heavy-duty plugging here. Uh, but uh, um, there I am with a lion called Sudan, who was very good and didn't bite me. Um, uh, uh, her brother, his brother, had uh, bitten the trainer once on the, uh, the thigh, just a sort of friendly nip, but, you know, you know, Three inch incisors can be a little unforgiving. Uh, anyway, but uh, wonderful working with animals, by the way. Uh, I've always enjoyed that. Well, Patience I is a virtue in that situation. And and I saw like you know like we saw footage of like Grant Page like like bobbing and weaving with like a tiger or something like mm. that. Guy's crazy. A leopard. Leopard. Yes. But before we don't, before, don't smack it. Don't, not a good idea. Don't whack the leopard. So well, it'll smack you back. <laughs> we like you know we're not going to hold you hostage forever so like you have such a there's so much stuff in this book that i really kind of just want to like touch on certain things and 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 before you started making movies you know with uh uh in 1975 you were doing trailers right yes yes i i started uh initially as a news cutter a news film cutter uh you know, stories would come in uh on 16 millimeter uh, and uh, journalists would say, give me five seconds of this, give me 10 seconds of that, or you know, make it interesting for 25 seconds, show me something, and then I'll write something over it, et cetera. So and this was an interesting sort of high-pressure uh, day, which would build in intensity uh, from, you know, you come in at nine, cut the overseas stories that had come in overnight, and then the local stories would come in and... Uh, pressure would build and it was the race to get the 20 odd uh, edited clips uh, assembled in the right order on a reel and race it around to tell us any, get it laced up, ready to go uh, at uh, 6.29 uh, so that 6.30 news could roll with the lead story. Uh, and 
you know, in my book, I, I give a couple of um, embarrassing examples of, of hurried mistakes that I yes. made. Um, and, and, uh, anyway, the book is intended to be sort of, uh, you know, lessons from a career and encouragement to people who wish to enter the arena uh, of gladiatorial combat, otherwise known as the film industry. Uh, and uh, I, I mean, uh, which is so different now. I, I honestly, it's like from from where you started to like now, it's like you could. I mean, you get a, you get somebody like Steven Soderbergh, even if you take away his name, uh, or we have friends that make movies on an iPhone. Like you know, who sure. who would have who would have ever thought that? And then from there, it's just a matter of distribution. But now there's so many streaming channels and options. But it's like I feel like it's it like. It's hard, it's easier to be found, but harder to be seen because there's just like an influx of things. Like, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, anyone can find you on TikTok if <laughs> you uh, if you you know understand how to give them sort of uh, uh, interesting content in, uh, in 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 you know in in fifteen seconds or so. You're uh, right. That will catch their eyeballs, but um, structuring drama over ninety to hundred minutes, of course, is a slightly different exercise. I, I, look, it, Soderbergh himself actually shot a film that he did with Claire Foy, who was I can't, played someone uh, unjustifiably um, kept in a mental health institution due to so good corruption. He shot that on a, on cell phones. Yep, it's, uh, insane is so. So you saw the movie? Yeah, I did. And oh, I, amazing. I thought, yeah, it's it's amazing and it's simple but effective. Uh, it's uh, he, he just whatever he turns his hand to, Soderbergh makes it interesting. So I always watch a Soderbergh film, just as in my youth, you know, there were directors whose films I would always want to watch. Obviously, the the classics, you know, John Ford, uh, Alfred Hitchcock, you know, but uh, there were always other interesting. Uh, filmmakers like Robert Aldrich. Whenever you, whenever there was a Robert Aldrich film, you you were going to get something different. You you'd get a, a very tough minded approach to the subject matter that uh, was uh, you know a signature of, of Robert Aldrich. But um, yeah, there were uh, so yeah I, I I I yeah so I grew up on watching directors uh, who. You know, carried out their work generally with classical style, and so I'm, I'm a bit of a classicist, and in terms of, you know, my adherence to film grammar, uh, and uh, you know, I so um, so it, it it that 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 has certainly that you know, I I, I absorbed uh, let's say the a great deal of Hollywood and and British filmmaking uh, in my teens uh, and on. Absolutely. I, I was going to say I, what I love now is like you can, you know, so how um, Google you could enter Google. And now it's like, you know, before that, like like one of our mutual fan, you know, uh, friends here, I, uh, you know, like a movie director that we love Tarantino. Right. So like anything, anything Tarantino makes, we're watching 100 percent. But now, like we were able to just basically uh put anything into google and then from there you have a list of movies like the imdb so someone like you like we piece together 
everything that you did. And we're like, this guy's career is crazy. So sorry to interrupt, Brian. Go ahead. Uh, no, uh, I could be interrupted at all times. Oh, the uh, other the other Brian Langan up there. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> That's fine. No, well, uh, look, I'm a big admirer of Quentin Tarantino, obviously. And he's actually coming to Portland next month. And I uh, will see him then. Uh, and uh, But um, uh, he is someone also who just grew up on, on movies and absorbed, you know, all sorts of, you know, styles and influences uh, and, uh, you know, then made them his own. And, yeah. uh, uh, and so I just hope he doesn't stop at 10 movies. Um, but on the other hand, yeah. I, uh, you know, it's, it's up to him. He's, he's, he's an artist. Um, uh, I couldn't stop at 10 movies. Uh, well, I couldn't afford to. Uh, but there's there's a there's a beauty in working you know it's like you it's it's like it's it's like you 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 know like we i play music so it's like i can't imagine like ever stopping to play even if no one watches or listens to what i'm doing it's it's something that like i just like to do so it's like yeah like for him to be like i'm there's a respect to someone who says what he says, he's he's leaving after 10. Uh, but then there's also respect for people that that continue to work. You know, like I know the last thing you did was a while ago, but, you know, your your filmography speaks for itself because it's just so vast with everything that you've done. But Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think Quentin is uh, going to spend more time writing, writing. books, uh, but... Yeah, who knows? Uh, I mean, he'll get a, a rush of creative blood to the head one day, and suddenly an, an amazing movie like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood will come out of him. Uh, and uh, you just it, never know. There was a, he was talk of him doing writing a Star Trek script. Though, I don't know what. Yeah. It was. Mm. Um, anyway, he's but, a great ambassador of film too. And when I when I I read. And follow him when he recommends like oh you should see this movie from 1970 i'm right there and that, through him is how i learned about this amazing australian movie scene that was just i mean it was like wild wild west out there stunts going on it it's crazy it, it, yeah talk about the early days of that yeah of the ausploitation uh era and well i mean a the a, the Australian film industry renaissance, which uh, occurred with a great deal of government assistance from 1970 onwards, uh, uh, has resulted in, you know, uh, a film industry that is the equal of any in any country in the world. Uh, you can you want to you want something made in Australia, whether it's a you know, giant film or a, a tiny film. Uh, there's a core of uh, uh, of cast and crew that will be you know, equal to the challenge. And uh, so, more American shows are sending their streaming series to uh, to Australia, uh, where they can get bang for the buck uh, and great landscapes. Let's say, or oh, great uh, great landscapes, which you yeah. captured. Yeah, I, I mean to to bring up a, a, a not quite Hollywood, which we've all seen that documentary, and like you were a part of something super, like awesome in the seventies, you know. And and speaking of landscapes, you know, uh, that's where we learned about um, uh, the man from Hong Kong and stuff. So, and that was your first, that was like your first feature film, and it was like so unbelievably ambitious. Like I, I don't know, like can we talk about that for a minute? Certainly, yes. Um, 
Well, it, it, it was, yeah, an ambitious project, certainly. Um, if, certainly for one's first film, uh, you know, I'd just done dramatized documentaries before that uh, and uh, you know, on 16 millimeter and suddenly I was having to, you know, uh, do what I'd always wanted to do, which was compose for the cinemascope frame because, uh, you know, I just, I love a widescreen. Yes, and then, yeah. And it can, if it can reach to the edge of your peripheral vision, uh, you know, I, I did actually see one three-panel Cinerama uh, uh, movie, uh, How the West Was Won, before it became single you know, camera, single projector, 70 millimeter. Uh, so I've actually seen uh, uh, How the West Was Won, where you're in, in, in the sweet spot uh, where the three projector beams you know, cross uh, and this, yeah, the curved screen completely uh, uh, covers your your peripheral vision, and that that was that's quite something. I guess you can wear a helmet and do it in virtual reality now, but uh, yeah, uh, to 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 do it and have it in sort of six track stereo or something, and uh, uh, and you're right in the middle of the middle stalls perfect place to see it so anyway i digress but uh cinema going to the movies used to be have an, a sense of occasion to it even if it was a suburban theater running a double bill uh and, and then you know trailers newsreel uh a cartoon a, 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 a supporting feature which was often a, an american film that maybe had 10 minutes cut out of it to, uh and then a, a main feature and that was three and a half hours of uh, of entertainment, um, and uh, there, there was yeah, and the, the theatre manager of a small town that or a small village that I grew up in, three thousand people, an air force base that my father commanded very nearby. Um, the theatre manager sort of knew the local patrons and uh, greeted them by name, and uh, uh, there, there was it, it was a different ambiance when I was growing up. Now I don't expect things that. To stay the same as sure. as my childhood, uh, and I'm quite happy to go to the mall. Uh, and uh, yeah, as I have for you know, you know decades, uh, and see a movie uh, and, and there. And I'm happy to see one on a 60 inch screen too. Me too. Like to me, to me, like it's something that I always bring up. I never fell out of love with the movies. Like yeah. I e even like during COVID, it sucked because it's like I missed. I missed going to the theater. And once I was able to do that, it was like, I just went, like, I just saw the new terrifier movie. I just saw barbarian. Like anytime I get a chance to go, we just go and it. Even if it's yeah. pricey, it's still like absolutely worth it. You know, like big tub of popcorn and uh, the ritual of going to the movies is something that I, that I still very much love, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Though I have to say yesterday I went to the, 4.20 p.m. opening Friday uh, performance of Amsterdam. Okay. My friend and I were the only people in the theater. Wow. What a cast, too. Like, what a cast. Now, I think there's something about that film that was not appealing to people in a rural Oregon area. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but how, how was it, though? Well, I kind of enjoyed it. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know... Uh, David O. Russell meets Wes Anderson. Oh, uh, I love it, that. Well, it, it, it's 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 a whimsical uh, telling of uh, uh, of 
you know, a, a, a little slice of American history, let's say, uh, uh, you know, as they say at the beginning of, of, of the film and the title, uh, most of what, uh, of what you see is true. So uh, anyway, so, and, and I, I love history, uh, even if it's somewhat revisionist, um, being put on the screen. Uh, history is good for people. You know, we need to learn more histories from the lessons learned from the past um, can be useful. Otherwise, we'll repeat those mistakes in the future. I feel which, like I feel like we repeat them all the time. We <laughs> do. We, we we can't help ourselves. We are a flawed species. Um, and uh, anyway, uh, if, if I could ask you about, sorry to interrupt, but um, the the man from Hong Kong, the son at the end with when on fire and struggling to get his jacket off. You're performing a stunt, because that stunt is absolutely amazing. It's amazing on screen. At what, what point do you realize something's wrong, and, <laughs> like, you keep rolling, like, it's, you get it, he must, like, could you could you talk about that scene, please? Yeah. Uh, yes, I, I've spoken about this a number of times, uh, and uh, you have the report in the in the hot in not quite hollywood is not strictly accurate okay uh, but, uh, but you know uh it, it, it's it, i i you know i i have to say that i i should not have set myself on fire in front of george lazenby to persuade him that nothing would go wrong uh and it was a, a macho challenge in effect though i didn't put it to him in those in that those times but how could he refuse uh after see okay that works we'll take very good care of you and we did take very good care of him as as much as we could but but, but he did get a, a a burn on the inside of his wrist there about you know two to three inches long um when he couldn't get the jacket off the miscalculation that we had made was that uh the uh, that the costuming the the, the one layer of costume to have the water gel yes soaked in another layer of costuming to keep it the water as a barrier to keep the water gel from getting to the third layer of costuming which is what the jacket uh, would be set on fire um uh, the the extra layers made it difficult for him to get the jacket off uh and it worked fine in the rehearsal uh, without fire, but comes the time when he was struggling to get the, the we're trying to get the jacket off and then throw the burning jacket in uh, in Jimmy Wong Yu's face, and then the fight would continue after that. You know that brief section where he is blocking and punching while on fire, which was the money shot. Yes. James Bond on fire, the yeah. actual guy, uh, and uh, so. Um, it, 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 it's it, sure it was, it was a, a gimmick that uh, I I thought would be effective, uh, uh, yeah. and uh, I always had it in mind because we kind of pioneered fire stunts without a fire suit in Australia because of this Australian invention of water gel. Um, but uh, uh, so in the course of trying to get the jacket off, uh, he it, it rubbed off some of the gel right there, and that's where um, he. It, that's where the flame got him, uh, and uh, but as and naturally, when that starts happening, you and nothing is is actually following the 
the order of, uh, of, of, of movements in the rehearsal. He, he clear, I, we clearly see he was uh, in distress. And we had told him, if you feel anything is wrong, hit the deck and we'll put the fire blanket over you. So he was still struggling with the jacket and uh, Grant and I, you know, we looked at one another, he, Grant immediately tackled him at the knees, brought him to the ground, we threw the blanket over him. Um, and uh, in, you know, the two days of, of medical relaxation, help, et cetera, um, he was back on the set uh, and uh, we yeah, put a special sleeve we, 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 yeah, we were able to protect the burned area. He had second degree burns from, uh, in, a, in, a, in, in that little, yeah, about that size. Uh, and, uh, but he, it didn't scar. And uh, um, George was upset <laughs> because I had said nothing will go wrong. Yeah. Just never, never say to anybody, nothing will go wrong. Uh, <laughs> yes. Right. That was the only that was the only mistake. But I mean, listen, at the end of the day, like we one of the things that we always talk about is is the beauty of 70s and 80s action, Um, because it seemed so real, because for the most part, it was there was no like, you know, that that was the beauty of stunt doubles. You know, we had on Sam Furstenberg on, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, Yes. So we talked about like his movies and how growing up, you know, we're kids of the 80s and 90s. Like we we appreciate like the actual like i mean like george lazenby was on fucking fire i mean like you can't get crazier than that you know so that's the beauty like now you watch an action movie and it looks like the rock is playing a video game behind him you know so it doesn't really have that appeal to us so we appreciate the stuff that you were doing it must have took a certain breed of guys to want to get into stunts in that era because you're risking much all the time well i mean look uh, you, you certainly don't want to work with anybody who has a death wish. Uh, so you, you, I mean, I worked with people who had a pretty you know, good respect for the danger of what they were doing. Uh, and yeah, we, you know, basically no one was seriously hurt. Uh, we did have one stunt in Man from Hong Kong, which uh, a stuntman broke his ankles by being hit by a, an out of control motorbike. Wow. Um, that was bad. I wish that had ha- not happened, but you know, I, 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 there's a story attached to that one too, but I won't go into it. But it, 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 the thing about doing action safely is to be able to predict every single outcome in that particular instance, we didn't predict that the stuntman was deaf uh, and had not got his hearing aids on, and that the bike uh, had, had lost control. Uh, and the combination of those two things, uh, and uh, which affected the stuntman's reaction time, um, uh, caused that particular accident. But you know, it, it. I think we tried at all times, and I've always done this to, uh, you know predict what could go wrong. And uh, so, you know, considering the number of stunts that were done in those movies um, yeah. by lots of other directors, including, you know, George Miller, uh, you know, the 
the casualty rate was extremely low. That's uh, the, the percentage of uh, so Grant Page, like uh, w w one of my favorite quotes of uh, Stunt Rock was uh, that guy was like, we use him because he doesn't know when to stop, you know, so it's it's funny to hear that. Like, well, actually, yeah. You see, Grant does know when to stop. <laughs> no, but uh, it, he, he wouldn't be with us. Uh, he he always had had a safety net, you know. Somehow, well, well, frequently he did things without a safety net, but he had another kind of a safety net insofar as he had a body harness and a cable to a carabiner on his wrist, which the camera couldn't see, which attached him to a rope, so that even if he fainted, uh, he would not fall off. Well, he he, he was not a pure madman. Um, I it just some of the some of the stories in the book, and then some uh, you know in in the the um, the documentary as well. Crazy uh, stunt rock. I mean, it's just amazing for anyone that's never seen it. Definitely something worth checking out because it's it's like nothing we've ever seen before, right? We were trying to explain stunt rock, and we're like, I don't even know how to explain really what it is. But like, it's just fun. Yeah. What is well? I'm my wife described it quite well in the movie. She said, there's stunts, there's rock. We'll call it stunt rock. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I had, to, I had to justify the title somehow. Absolutely. Uh, and then, and then the, the, the closing track, it made sense too. But uh, yes. what, what was like, you know, the one time, like the one thing, and I'm sure there's many things, but it was the one thing that really stands out that you saw Grant do that you're like, I can't believe he just did that. Uh, hmm. Well, <clears throat> I mean, when you do a stunt uh, with a, a, a practiced stuntman like Grant, uh, you accept that he has done all the calculus. He's worked out the physics of it uh, and, you know, weight, you know, ratio, speed, uh, angle, uh, all those factors have been taken into account. Uh, and uh, then when there is a glorious result, um, uh, it's really as a result of all the calculations being correct. Uh, so, you know, I, yeah, I, I, there were, you know, a number of great shots of all time that I think Grant has pulled off. Um, the, the first you know, I mean, obviously, I'd worked with him on uh, my first documentary, uh, The Stuntman, and uh, the uh, and the and then subsequently in Danger Freaks. So the catapult stunt, which you see at the beginning of Stunt Rock, uh, is is a gasp-worthy moment, but it's all yeah, totally under control, predictable, and happened exactly as as. Uh, as was planned. Uh, in Man from Hong Kong, I was looking for another gasp moment of the kite uh, flying over the heads of um, marching uh, Hong Kong police who incidentally had fixed bayonets <laughs> as Grant passed over them. <laughs> fixed bayonets at the slope uh, as Grant uh, passed over them and his, uh, his, his his hang glider. So, uh, and that, you know, with a, 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 a high angle looking down on the wide shot of the, uh, uh, of, of, the of, of the parade ground, that, you know, I, I knew that if, if he flew at just the right angle, that would be a, ga a gasp-worthy moment. I think I'm introducing an interesting visual effect into your broadcast here. Now. Like it. It's kind of, um, well, 
it, 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 it's one of those moments in a either a Marvel movie or um, you know, where the 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 someone transitions into something else. And, ah, you're and, just you're just letting us know that you're, you're letting us know that you're the real star of the podcast. I get it. Well, yes, but I think what I will do now is adjust the lighting. Uh, also, Brian, uh, just for, more just, real, for less the, fun, isn't it? For the record, we we only use the audio. Oh dear, oh dear. Well, that will make no sense to anybody. But that was an interesting image, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I mean, we could yeah. do we could do the visuals. We can get a screen grab. But you should take you screen grabs of that, and then you pepper the interview with uh, with any moments. You you should certainly try and get a screen grab of the epe. I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna do anything that you suggest that we do because well, anyway, I'll leave it to you. You have the material, and you can manipulate it as you wish. Um, I heard you say that um, that stunt rock was your least favorite of the films you did, or Kim, is that accurate? Or well, I don't know. It depends. When I was talking at the time, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, right. stunt rock was not appreciated. Was it was not an, uh, a commercial success. Uh, even though it did achieve sales, uh, it, it, when it went on sale, it it, it, see, it it achieved sales in excess of its budget. But mm -hmm. then it was totally mishandled by uh, the distributors, uh, and you know, just uh, the British distributor took it on, got it through censorship, and then immediately went bankrupt before the uh, release. Uh, and you know, that, so th this happened, uh, and, and in America, the distributor went bankrupt as well. Uh, or well, one took it into his library, and declared bankruptcy immediately. He'd only acquired it to, to fatten his library for an eventual bankruptcy settlement. Uh, we managed to get it back, but then the next distributor took it on. We never got proper reporting, and then they went bankrupt. Um, anyway, I, I control. Wow. I control the negative now, and uh, uh, so uh, and now it is available uh, on Blu-ray uh, in America, and uh, uh, and and through the release by Umbrella Entertainment, uh, region free, um, and uh, it's an ideal movie for a party. Uh, some is. people want to watch it, and in in toto, other people will be happy to. Be, you know, eating, dancing, you know, chatting, drinking, and then say, oh, look at that. Wow, look at him do that. Yeah. That's not amazing. Uh, anyway, and some people just will enjoy the, the music. And it's, a, uh, well, it, it's a portrait of, you know, uh, um, heavy metal rock and roll um, <laughs> yeah. violence, uh, of 1978. Yes, uh, I, I'm just remembering what Grant said about the music, so I'm laughing to myself. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> but but you know, sorcery they 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 were passionate about their music. They sure were. <laughs> uh, I mean, they were as an interesting fusion of a bunch of, of magicians yeah. uh, and a bunch of um, rockers. Um, and they were ideally a Vegas act, um, but their attempts to 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 you know get into the, the the swim, so to speak, were you know harmed by 
the LA fire marshal attending their performance of the whiskey and then declaring them in, in an illegal act because they were a, a, a fire hazard. Uh, so that was gonna, until they had done a massive upgrade uh, to conform to you know, all the necessary health and safety regulations in public menus, um, that was gonna crimp their ability to perform. But uh, performing for us in a fake concert setting in Culver City Studios uh, was a, an, another matter. That, that was good. Um, but no, and it, yeah, we were working with people firing propane from their fingertips, um, but we took care of all the safety precautions and that no one was, was singed. So that, that is good. Um, so, um, but they're an interesting band. Uh, and you know, you, you listen to their stuff today, and it it, it really, yeah, it is of its of a particular type, but it's uh, it 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 holds up well if uh, if you like that sort of thing. For sure, uh, Langan, you had a turkey shoot thing, right? Oh yeah, I was, if we could talk about turkey shoot before I want to get into your horror stuff. Um, hunting humans, hunting humans is pretty horrific, and it's you know. Hunting humans, come on, that's hard too. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. But I, um, the the female leads on the the Lydia Stoner and Olivia Hussey did. Were there some difficulties there in um, in in, in the, the nude scene? I believe, and and, and maybe she was a, a Lydia was an animal rights. Uh... Well, yes, uh, the, 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 yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't think. Uh, let's deal with it. Olivia first, a sweet lady. Uh, it's still in in Facebook touch with her. Um, uh, I, I mean, <clears throat> she didn't really belong in a movie like Turkey Shoot. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I remember that films of that kind, the lead cast was always chosen by the distributor. Mm -hmm. and the concept was uh, the American film markets coming up, uh, uh, the the uh, the Oscar nominations are being uh, announced. Uh, Steve Railsback is going to get an, uh, probably a nomination for his role in the Stuntman. Uh, that some the Stuntman is certainly going to get some nominations, and Richard Rush did too. Um, so let's get a cast of Academy Award nominees that we can quickly announce at this the the, uh, the American film market and get pre-sales based on them. So what's the other nominee we can get? That Well, Diana Scarwood's going to get nominated for uh, Mommy Dearest. Okay, so that, that was the initial pair. Well, Steve stuck with it, um, and Diana Scarwood said, don't be silly. Uh, and uh, so who do you get next? Uh, so... Um, Olivia Hussey has a pretty impressive uh, you know, series of credits prior to 1982 uh, or 81. When we, uh, and uh, so uh, she accepted. Um, she was prepared to do nudity, uh, provided it was doubled. Uh, and uh, uh, she said, that I don't think my body is is very attractive uh and uh, um join, anyway join the join the club <laughs> well 
she's yeah, beautiful. Uh, absolutely. I, we we yes. always we talk we always talk about her in Black Christmas for sure. So I crushed on her since I was a little kid. Well, <laughs> who, who would not? Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, a, 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 a yeah, a, a sweet lady, uh, and uh, so. Everything, nonetheless, looked fine as far as they, the, the two lead cast were concerned when they came to Australia expecting what was basically going to be 36 days of shooting. Um, but uh, then, uh, and it was actually, it was at one point going to be 40 days of shooting. But uh, when they arrived, they found that the budget had been cut effectively by a third um, but that had been taken out of the, the the above the line fees remain the same. Uh, no one's going to take a cut. Um, I didn't get paid until virtually the movie was delivered um, because of cash flow shortages. Uh, but uh, so you know, not you know, a, 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 a goodly chunk of the budget did not turn up. Uh, Due to various things that I think I explained on the DVD and I've explained in my book. Yeah, you explained in the book like I, a lot of times, like the business of it. You know, everything from like pitching stuff to the to the leprechaun people to like the the drive hard stuff. Like it seems like a a, a very tough business to get attached to something that just doesn't get made sometimes. Yes, yes, a, yeah. uh, there are many great projects uh, that I would like to have made that uh, just didn't quite make it to the finish line. But anyway, but uh, so in the uh, attempted rape scene, uh, in which uh, you know, the the rapist gets uh, his John Thomas caught in his zipper, um, <laughs> uh, that you know, so it's something I've always wanted to put on the screen. I hasten to add, uh, uh, but uh, eventually Ben Stiller kind of did it. Yes, uh, uh, for, for laughs, Frank and uh, Beans. <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, some, uh, some something about Mary. Uh, 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 but you know, back, you know, in in eighty one, it was something I wanted to do. I like, I, I, I kind of like to, I, I wanted to put taboos on the screen uh, because, well, I guess, was, you know, we, we they had been uh, set, we we wanted to sort of stamp on censorship restrictions of the past uh, with with gusto. Uh, because yeah, that's the way we felt. Um, and it yeah. seemed like the eighties was like a good place to do that. Cause I feel like a lot of people were probably doing that, you know, like whether yeah, it was yeah, like the, ho the horror genre or like the action genre, you know, for sure. Yeah. Now, uh, as for Linda Stoner, well, again, she, f she soon realized this was not going to be a big A-list feature. This is obviously an exploitation film which I think would have been fairly evident from the script. Uh, but uh, uh, sometimes the actors only read their part. Um, and uh, uh, so, uh, so, you know, she, she was not happy and she'd just gone through a relationship breakup. Uh, and, uh, um, and she was, you know, was kind of a bit of a sex symbol. And so she was subject to a lot of sexism uh, in, in, in her career. Um, and uh, this just seemed like another sort of male-dominated movie that was uh, uh, so the budget shortfalls and the fact that yeah you know, I asked her to to work on raw fish in one scene and she, 
Um, she, you know, she was a strict vegetarian, and that included, you know, not having to deal with the uh, with fish. Um, and uh, so, and so she hated the movie. And then, naturally, critics hated the movie initially. Um, now, critics are embracing its politics and, uh, yeah. and embracing its its you know rambunctiousness. It's uh, um, it, it, it's you know ahead it, of its time. Yeah, and and, and then the fact that it sort of. Uh, you know, breaks taboos with lip-smacking relish. Uh, and so, uh, but and like, it was... Streaming sites, like, now, like, that's the beauty of, you know, things like Tubi or, like, Amazon Prime, where, like, a lot of this work gets thrown up on there and people read mm -hmm. it and they could watch it now, too, because there was a lot of the stuff in your filmography that, that I didn't really know when I watched it. I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, really cool. So I, I you know... I love it. I love the technology oh. now. Oh, yeah, it, that, that is good. Though I would say, as a member of the Directors Guild of America, I'm entitled some residuals sure. uh, on repeat screenings of films, along with other members of the BGA and, or, and also similarly the, the WGA, the Writers Guild. Uh, and uh, I don't see any of those trickling down somehow from Tubi or, or YouTube or where a number of films of mine are now sitting, and I'm very glad that people are able to to access them if they if they want. Um, so there are, you know, I've made 42 long forms and a few interesting shorts, like Hospitals Don't Burn Down. Now there's a film for you. Watch that. Did you? Yeah, my my library uh, my library has a streaming service, and I I had searched his name direct on that and uh yeah wow incredible fun fire stunts make, fun to make a an industrial safety film as a horror movie uh and uh, so and it was very effective it became the highest selling industrial <laughs> film that australia ever made it sold all over the world won awards uh in medical and industrial film festivals uh even got a, a short film prize from the Cork Film Festival. So it was, uh, you know, uh, quite uh, quite an interesting uh, exercise, shot over 18 nights. Uh, and uh, we, we called it the Towering Infirmary. Uh, <laughs> and uh, anyway, so... Uh, great, great, uh, great memories. And, and, and I, that's that's the beauty of the book too as well. Uh, we're, we're VHS kids too. You know, like a, a lot of the wow. a lot of the direct to video stuff. Um, I, me and Brian Langan, <laughs> all both loved Night of the Demons. Man, Kevin Tenney wow. did such a yeah. great job. Yeah. It's it's, yes. it's 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 like something that we want. Well, I watch like uh, uh you know every Halloween because it's perfect. And then the sequel comes out, and me personally, I think the sequel is actually better than the original. <laughs> It's yeah. I don't know what it is. I can see that. It, it's just like, all right, here, the dialogue. Usually in these movies, the dialogue is 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 kind of hokey, but the 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 teens, the casting, the dialogue was kind of funny. Like it was mm. almost like a like a Porky's meets like horror type thing in, in, in that stuff. And uh, so if you could just like kind of just give us a little bit on Night of the Demons too, like how that came about. Well, yes. Uh... It, for whatever reason, Republic Pictures that wanted to do the sequel, uh, some 
six years after the original had come out and been successful. Uh, uh, they, you know, they did not want Kevin to do the sequel. He, he had done a sequel to his Witchboard movie, uh, and he thought he would he'd like to do the sequel. But they said, no, we want to try someone else. Uh, and uh, which is a pity because Kevin set the template. And, and while I appreciate your uh, kind thoughts about uh, Demons 2 being better than Demons 1, it, it had all the advantage of being uh, thought through six years later <clears throat> and had a bit more money. I think they made Demons 1 for about $800,000. And wow. we had a million three. Well, I suppose at the end of the day, when Republic said, we like it so much, we're going to throw another $150,000 at you for a, a climax on top of the climax you just shot. Steve Johnson. Um, Steve Johnson Steve is a genius. Johnson, yes. Um, amazing, amazing creative genius. Anyway, so uh, that, yeah, but as for how it came about, um, uh, I, the producers invited me to audition to the distributor, uh, other em eminent uh but obviously at that point not no not dga not directors guild members uh they could they were not going to go dga but non-dga directors uh, such as tony randall and jeff burr wow or, tony uh, randall yeah uh auditioned or um but i was the one that i i knew i if i had to break through the competition i was i did a lot of homework before the so I came in with how to do this sequence, how this would look good. Uh, I, one of the things I suggested was a, a, a dripping tap, but it dripped upside down. And with a split screen, you could, uh, you could do that. Uh, uh, and so I came up with, with uh, and that, that idea never made it into the movie, but it was then borrowed and put into, I think, uh, Demons 3. So anyway, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, never, but, never saw that. But, but I mean, I tell the story because it's an example of you know, if you really want something, you got to put in the work. Yes, uh, and I think that's what caused them not to use a tried and true uh, horror director with uh, established credits, uh, but some and yeah, my horror. Uh, credentials were at that point not not as well established as they are now. Turkey shoot was was not <clears throat> not as it, it only became uh, better thought of. Uh, you know, I think once Quentin discovered it. Uh, You're right. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, but anyway, the hard work was was worth it, and I got the gig, and uh, uh, and. But I said, okay, if you, now you've chosen me. I think you need to make the whole thing a, a lot more uh, amusing. Uh, it should have a bit of, uh, you know, homage quality to it. But you know, had more, have as many cultural references uh, as possible. I mean, the original had had them too. But uh, let's see what uh, cultural, uh, you know, buttons we can press. Um, and uh, uh, the, my producers were, you know, were, were both raised Catholics. I was not, uh, but uh, I was raised Protestant, which uh, Protestants were taught to hate Catholics, you know, but I didn't because I'm not. 
but you know that that <laughs> you look at the propaganda of both sides. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, so I always thought that uh, religious conflict was uh, ridiculous, um, and, uh, um, and and if there is a supreme being, he certainly doesn't want his children squabbling over precisely how to worship him. Absolutely. Right. Yep. That's the subject of another podcast. Perhaps. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, so I said, let's let's have fun with it. You know, I let's have a demon stabbing the priest to death while reciting the act of contrition. Yes. You know, that that you know that that will shock him um, a little. Uh, so uh, so the, there were things like that that I wanted to put into it. And, and my tone was obviously you did you there was a lot of stuff on there and it's funny because i think like later on a movie from i think new zealand deathgasm did a lot of like the similar stuff it reminded me of too but like like for for people like us that are not really religious like it's just like you know it's it's whatever to us it's more entertaining <laughs> so i think if you are you kind of watch it and you're like oh my god like you know but the nun was absolutely amazing like in the very beginning you kind of like hate her because she's such a she's mm. such a bastard to them but then mm. she's like the saving grace and uh it's just a really good cast ben stiller's wife is at it like it's just yeah. fantastic gee how did he let her go i wonder yeah <laughs> yeah. Christine, she was yeah a, a lovely girl well you know speaking speaking of the zipper scene i had to throw it back to ben you know yes <laughs> Uh, but I mean the uh, yeah uh, it, it, it it was <clears throat> it was she, Christine Taylor had good comedy instincts uh, and uh, uh, so did many members of the cast uh, uh, and Rick Peters who plays sort of the bad boy um, he yeah encouraged improvisation and in the scene where he meets you know the girls coming you're know, going to come with him on the to to to, to hull house um as she gets into the car he uh, uh he, he turns to her and says what's your problem Marsha?" Uh, yes that's yeah. right and yeah he, he made a reference to the fact that she kind of looks like Marsha brady well three yeah. months later she auditions for the part of Marsha brady and she gets it uh, so you know, so, so funny how things turn up. It is funny because just recent. So I did a rewatch of it because I'm like, all right, I, I haven't watched it. I knew we were gonna have this conversation. My girlfriend never saw it, but she loved that Brady Bunch movie. So as soon as she saw her on screen, she's like, "That's Marsha Brady." And then that scene happened. I was like, "Holy shit!" I totally forgot about that scene. It, it's just great. And it, listen, when it when it comes to making horror comedies, you know, um, it's very hard to do. Some of them are pretty fucking terrible. But this one is really good. Like certain, like you know, Return of the Living Dead is great. Um, Night of the when Creeps it, is when it works. It's amazing. It's it's laughing and being scared. It's almost like cousins in, in a way, yes. you know. Yeah, and, and and I think there was uh, there were enough scares in Night of the Demons. Oh, too. without a doubt, yeah, mm -hmm. and enough ooh um, moments. Uh, uh, and but look. Uh, Leprechaun Three, yes, probably could have used uh, a bit more horror uh, because I had by that time uh, ramped up the comedy more. And then when I went to Leprechaun in Space, I moved from comedy to you know basically cinema parody um, and, and a, basically a pastiche of of gags, uh, which. Some people just, it, it, it was a bridge too far, let's say, or 
as that movie was sometimes known, an hour too long. Um, but um, <laughs> hey, uh, oh. <laughs> but uh, hey, I could have got my scissors into that one, and it would have been a cracking two hours. Um, but uh, it, but uh, it, so what really works? So like that franchise in particular, we always talk about how we don't really like the franchise except for three. And we like the one that that dude, Steve Kostansky uh, made, which was the very last one, which is Leprechaun Returns. And because they were so like, I don't know, there was something like great about them. I think three is better than the original, to be honest with you. And I read two- that Warwick Davis three is his favorite one that he did. I had yeah. written an interview. Yeah. yeah. And he he we, he and I had a great relationship because he felt he'd been kind of sidelined on number two. You know, he waited for hours in this makeup and uh, he was kept in the shadows of the movie as a lurking threat. Uh, And he wanted to do more stuff. And I said, Warwick, you will do plenty of stuff. Let's 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 plug into your comedic side um, and we'll find all these little funny roles you can play uh, in. in, uh, You know, you can be a you can be a, a, a doctor. In an hospital, you can do all these funny television commercials. Yes. Or, uh, and there are all sorts of characters you can play. So he loved that. And uh, then I thought, well, let's do some more of that, of course, uh, in Leprechaun in Space. I think it, it, I, I was ready to go uh, to jump the shark, let's say, with Leprechaun in Space. I think some of the traditional leprechaun audience were not quite ready to jump the shark. In fact, they fell into the water. Yeah. <laughs> I made it to the uh, the other side. So it, some people you know, were disappointed. Uh, and certainly if I had done some more, you know, a couple of really nasty horror moments, the movie might have prospered better. It still shipped 40,000 VHS copies in its initial run. I mean, you know, uh, I'm I'm sure it's uh, uh, done well for the inheritors of the copyright. Abs- uh, abs- absolutely, and 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 to go back to three. So the name of our show is Red River Podcast, right? Nice. So we took that name from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two when Caroline Williams was working for a radio station. And that was the name of the radio station. Oh, I see. So, yes, like, yeah, like totally. Caroline Williams was great in three. Caroline, lovely lady, lovely lady. Uh, so, such great comic timing. I mean, that's a you know, that that's a masterpiece uh, of of comedic playing. The way she sculpted that role uh, from you know, you know, blousy, cynical, uh, yeah, uh, has been, uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and then, yeah, so like bombshell, the, yeah, the bombshell, and then uh, yeah, uh, her inevitable demise, Beauty. which is, I mean, appallingly sexist in every way, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes. uh, but the thing about putting sexism on the screen is that it is a sort of a two way street, uh, I mean, in a way. You know, retrograde people will laugh at it and not think that's bad behavior. But a lot of people will, will recognize that the bad behavior that is being spotlighted, yeah, it, the spotlight is, is is intended to say, yeah, you know, people who think this way are not cool. 
very much so. Like it, it, sometimes when I see someone acting like an asshole, it just reminds me to not act like an asshole. You know, like you're just like, all right, <laughs> there's, a be- there's a beauty to that. But uh, one of the parts in the books that I really like uh, is you going to Trimark talking about Leprechaun 4. And just like it reminded me or not reminded me, but it made me think of like, you know, situations like that where you try to pitch this movie and you're trying to win over this like boardroom of people to like move forward with this idea and like i i I mean can you just talk a little bit about that 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 part in the book and how often something like that happens well i mean uh i've never had to make quite such a detailed pitch Um, (laughs) it was pretty detailed well i I thought you know, when you say, well, what's when they ask, what's the best scene in the movie? Yes. Uh, and I say, well, you know, I talk about, uh, you know, we, we, well, if, if we're going to do a, you know, initially they, they, the, the concept had been a kind of a spoof of Apollo 13. And I said, well, it's a very small space capsule and you could really run out of opportunities. You know, why don't you go for, you know, uh, the aliens matrix as a as, as a coat hanger, let's say, to hang the whole thing on and uh, have a platoon of space marines uh, uh, hunting down a creature, and the creature is, is a leprechaun with a lightsaber in his shillelagh, and, and on from there. Uh, and uh, so I was asked, you know, what is the best scene? And I said, well, obviously, you know, we're going to have, you know, we've got to have a, an equivalent of the chest burster scene in, in Aliens. And, uh, uh, and the, the head of the company said, well, that scene's been done many times. I said, not like this. And then I said, well, what about when they blow the leprechaun to pieces and one of the Marines decides in a sort of victory ritual to piss on one of the body parts? Um, you, uh, we, we see in an angle taken from behind his spread legs and the urine stream pointing downwards, um, a little green capsule traveling back up the urine stream. Of course, I looked at the faces around the table and they were a little aghast, let's say, you know, it's one thing to talk about body parts, but urine streams. Um, And uh, so uh, I, I said, well, this means that when they get back to the spaceship and this Marine and a lady Marine go down to the cargo hold to, you know, make the beast with two backs or um, however they want to do it, really. Uh, Then she has her hand in his pants and he's saying, not so rough. You want to to take it home with you? Uh, And he doubles up in pain and then sinks to the ground. uh, And this will enable us I said with great enthusiasm to have a false floor below him. And then we can have the Warwick Davis apparently clawing his way out of uh, some, you know, carefully made prosthetic pants uh, and erupting out of his body uh, on a wire um, and landing in front of him and saying, next time, lad, you should wear a prophylactic. Um, So, they all, you know, clearly there were people around the table who thought, well, I'm glad I didn't bring him in. Uh, He's over to you, pal. Uh, uh, You brought him in. Um, And uh, the boss was quite, his face was impassive throughout. And then, so it was a moment of silence. He says, so 
A leprechaun comes out of the man's penis. And I said, yes, possibly with too much enthusiasm, but and that's just me. Uh, and it, then he said, it worked. And then suddenly all around the table, everybody liked it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. That's one hell of a pitch right there. I mean, and it worked, you know, it, it, it's, it, you know, for us that don't, we don't make movies and, and we're not a part of these things. It's like so interesting to like, think of like just going into this room to pitch the Trimark. Trimark put out some of our favorite, like direct to video movies, like return of the living dead three. I'll stand by that masterpiece. Yes. No, it's great. It's great. I loved it. Right. Like, right. Yes. Brian Usna, like we had Brian on. He's yes, killer. I've, I've met him. He's a great guy. So, you know, it's funny, like as we talk, like you've seen so much shit. Like you're like, you've seen everything, like everything that I mentioned, you've seen. So you're, you're definitely all about the, all about the movies. Well, I, I still am. Uh, I mean, as far as Hollywood is concerned, I am unfortunately considered past my use by date. Uh, but uh, uh, but that's okay. But you know, fresh blood has to be you know introduced and uh, and does well. There are many great horror directors coming up, um, and you mentioned a few titles earlier. Uh, and uh, so uh, Any, anything I, that anything that you've seen recently that that maybe like you want to mention? Well, I or TV I shows. Thought, well, I thought Barbarian had a had a lot of sustained tension in yes. it. Uh, and while I ultimately didn't find the denouement as satisfying as I was hoped, as I hoped it would be, uh, the fact is it, 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 it let's say, tightened my sphincter uh, for you know, <laughs> a good sort of two thirds of its running time. So and I'll tell there's, you, there's an image for you. You're 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 a big fan of camera angles, right? So, yes. When it goes to the the section where they're following, you know the 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 fifty nineteen fifties or whatever. No, it was the eighties. It was the eighties because they mentioned they mentioned Reagan. Reagan. The cam yes. the camera shot, like where it was like this, like like it was like jarring. Right. Like, I, I don't know if you remember, like it like was following the guy into like the supermarket. And yeah. like I, I don't know what the hell kind of camera angle that was, but like, wow, very, very cool. I mentioned it because I know you're a camera angles guy. Yeah. No, I, I think he needed to do something striking to suddenly thrust you into this uh, this time warp, so to speak, to go back to the, the backstory of, uh, of of the killer. Uh, Absolutely. You're not expecting that. No. So <clears throat> it was a daring piece of script construction, uh, and it was was well executed. Now I don't know how much the movie cost because I know there was shooting in Eastern Europe, uh, and uh, the cast would not have cost very much. Yeah. So uh, in, in some pretty heavyweight producers involved, all of whom I'm sure uh, had a nice fee, uh, but even so. Um, I, I know how cheaply I could have made that film on exactly the same scale, uh, uh, even shooting it entirely in the United States. But you know, if they did some Eastern European shooting, then they must have um, you know, really saved some money. Uh, anyway, that, that that was that film will be quite profitable. Um, and uh, and look, anyone who can keep basically a single location uh, suspense thriller. 
going as effectively for two thirds of its running time uh, as Barbarian did uh, is uh, commendable. Uh, we, it'd be interesting to see what they do next. I'm with you. There, there's like I have one question left. I don't know what Langan has, but given any budget, what is one movie that you would make? Given any budget, well, like if I had, yeah, if I had, if I could say oh, I need X dollars to make this. Yes. Well, obviously, I'd try and choose my own intellectual property. I would want to make uh, a movie. Uh, out of Alice through the multiverse. Okay, uh, your book, my, my time tripping, you know, uh, you know piece that <clears throat> was initially a screenplay called The Executioner's Daughter, which was optioned twice but never made. Um, we couldn't get you know a female star big enough, uh, a, a female star of let's say twenty uh, big enough, and that, that they're hard to find. Uh, and uh, the ones that qualified, yeah, uh, well, their representatives were simply not interested in entertaining it. Uh, but so I wrote it as a novel, uh, and I think it could actually be uh, a, a streaming series. I've even broken, I've even formatted you know, in broad principle the first two seasons, uh, uh, ten episodes each uh, of Alice Through the Multiverse. Amazing. Uh, and uh, uh, so, uh, and I, yeah, that's been out, uh, you know, 20, 2018, I think. Yeah, 20 companies looked at it. Uh, only two expressed serious interest. Uh, one of them had a deal with Apple, a first look deal with Apple. But when it came down to it, they said, yeah, we really don't know how to handle this. We don't know what to do with, with, with how to tell this story. Uh, to me, it was fairly simple. Film every page in the book, but anyway, there we go. Uh, right. But uh, and explore all the characters in greater depth because they all have interesting stories, and that's how the you know that's how you 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 keep people involved in a ten episode series. So you explore the supporting characters as well as the leads. Um, I, so I would certainly. It, Alice through the multiverse would make a great streaming series, or would make I, a great anime. You say I could do it as an anime, and then it could be even more spectacular, and than than you could afford to do. Uh, but there, there are many stories. I yeah. I, um, it could I, be Tarantino's tenth film. You never know when you see him uh, when he yes, when yes. he comes out there. <laughs> but um, I, I, but it, um, Adventures in the B Movie Trade is is the book, and uh, I I mean we could keep you here all day, but I like thank you so much for just hanging out with us. Yeah. Um, thank was, you we, I'm, I'm flattered by your interest uh, yes and... we we love talking to like people that make movies that we grew up with or watch or mm. discovered recently like stunt rock like which is like pretty crazy oh, great. Um, so thank you so much for your time and uh, I'm going to put this out on Monday and I'll, I'll like send you a link and all that other stuff and thank you so like seriously thank you for, yes. for taking time for us and oh, have fun fencing opinion. I, yes. I will. And by the way, I, you, you have Netflix, obviously. Yes. Uh, are you aware of Triple R? No. Oh, okay. RRR. It's a Bollywood movie in the Telugu language. Brilliant. You have okay. never seen anything like it. Uh -huh. I know Bollywood fans, but it's a gigantic action picture uh, set in the 1920s. 
that fictionalizes two rebels against the British Raj. It is wildly over the top with great heart and, and a lot of humor. Uh, and the two guys are incredibly charismatic. So if you've never seen a Bollywood action picture, you've got to see Triple R. Okay, Triple R. I mean, listen, right. if, if you felt... If you feel like we should watch it, then we're going to watch it. And then while, while we're here, I'm going to say I think vengeance. I, I told an 80-year-old man and his 80-year-old wife uh, yesterday to watch it. Uh, so it's just three hours long. You know, uh, uh, you might want to watch it in chunks. Yeah, I mean, of course. Absolutely. He, watched That's it all the way. he and his wife watched it all the way through last night and loved it. So join the 80-year-olds who love Triple uh, R and uh, take a look at it this weekend. Brian, I'm, I'm going to give you one. There's a movie called Vengeance that just came out. It's like one of our favorite movies of the year. It's, oh. up, on, it's up on Peacock. It's absolutely brilliant. Amazing writing. Uh, I mean, could you write Langan? Like, we didn't know where it was going. Like, it was like, if we thought left, it went right. That's You're muted. The, that's the key to to really getting uh, an audience back into the cinema you do if you if the writing is clever you and the audience is not ahead of the writers the writers we, we were not and and you think as you say uh, you think it's going left and then it goes right and then vice versa so that's good i will look out for vengeance yeah it's, up on, it, it's on peacock Peacock. I don't have Peacock, but I know. Uh, you well. could you, you could rent it for like four bucks or something. It doesn't yes, matter. I will definitely take your recommendation. Brian, you, you're the man. Can't wait to talk more to you on Facebook. And uh, always happy to to talk to you. And uh, um, I'd love you to read Alice and see the movie in your mind. Okay. Uh, it said some people can get it for free on Kindle. Amazon canceled my account. That's another story. <laughs> you know, you know, you know my website. Do you? Yeah, I have, we have we have all your links. Absolutely. Okay, so well, I write about the how, how Amazon fucked me in the ass. Uh, oh, I I didn't read that. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, it's it's in it's in a, a, one of my blogs on the website. Uh, but I then republished both adventures in the B-movie trade and Alice through the multiverse through Ingram Spark. And you can get both those books through in your regular bookshops and, and of course, through Amazon. You'd say, fine, we'll keep selling it. And I'm busy probably writing more adventures. Uh, and maybe we'll publish another book. Uh, wow. Course, but we'll I, see. Yeah, I'm a, a, you know, we look forward to anything that you have coming up. So, Well, thank you. I must now go. And Take care. See you later, Brian's. Thank you very much. Okay, bye-bye.